Praise the Lord. Barely hear you. Let's try that again. Praise the Lord. There we go. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everyone here. I have just a few announcements this morning before we begin. Uh, Mission Louisiana pledges, as many of you know, there are renovations that are taking place at our campground, and they are asking for financial donations for that end. Uh, a category has been set up in Easy Tithe for Mission Louisiana pledges. So please, if you want to do that, if they are asking, please go through that process. Tuesday, November 7th, uh, first, uh, first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30. And Sunday, November 12th, Sister Murphy will be conducting a bread class in the A Center at 6 p.m., a bread class. I was so excited about that because I love bread. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Praise the Lord. Can we stand to our feet? Can we vigorously worship God this morning? Because I believe that my God deserves it from his people. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Good morning, Grace Church. I don't want to interrupt the service flow too terribly. Y'all can be seated for just a few minutes. Uh, we have a few presentations to make today. I wanted to come uh, at pastor's request and talk to y'all about our so church social media pages and the photography that we're doing that I'm sure you've noticed uh, here at church. Um, did you know that the front door of our church is not the front door anymore? I recently read an, artic an article that talked about, um, you know, living in the digital age. Before people ever step foot into your church, they have already visited you online. They look at the church websites, social media pages, all of those things, and I'm sure most of y'all are aware of that. So our goal here at Grace Church is to share content that depicts what the environment is like here. And we believe here in uninhibited worship. We believe in preaching and teaching that is grounded in biblical truth. We believe in baptism in Jesus' name thriving Sunday school and youth ministry, friends that will pray for you, all of these things that we believe here at Grace Church, we want that to be projected and portrayed on our church social media pages. Um, our current photography team is myself, Hinesley. Hinesley, wave your hand. It's Hinesley. I'm sure you've noticed him on the camera. And Heather. Heather, I don't know where Heather is sitting. There she is. Heather's waving her hand. She's working photography today. So we try to capture images each week um, that share the list that I just read to you. Because when people visit us online, we want them to see more than just words of a purpose statement and more than just words of a mission statement and all those things are good. But we want to see, we want them to be able to see those words lived out. And so our sincere effort here today and every week is to bring the best of Grace Church to our social media pages. We will do our best not to invade your personal prayer time. In fact, during altar service, if pictures are going to be taken, they'll be taken from the back of the sanctuary so you don't have to worry about that. I know that I was recently talking to Pastor, and he was concerned about, you know, well, when I preach and I'm in, getting into the sermon and the faces that I make when I'm preaching. And I said, if, if it's any consolation... I'm the one filtering through all of these images each week, and uh, I make some pretty horrible faces while I'm up here singing and worshiping, too. Everybody does. 
But let me just ask you, how many of those have you seen that get posted on social media? Of course we're not going to do that. We want our church to look its best. All of those get deleted. Um, in photography, you may have a hundred pictures, even at a photo session that you would go to for your family. And having been a photographer, if you get 25 images out of, you know, 100 or 150 shots that you take, you're doing pretty good. Everything else gets deleted. So I don't want anybody to worry about that. I want you to feel comfortable and confident that we're doing our best here to capture content that shares what we're about at Grace Church, and we want to offer our best. If for some, if for any reason you are not comfortable with being um, shared in, in any of the photos, just let me know. I will share it with our photography team, and we will do our best to make sure that you're not in any of the shots that we're taking, and we want to accommodate people. But I want you to rest assured that we are doing our best to put our best foot forward on our Grace Church. Social media pages, this isn't to promote us. This is to share with people what our church is about because I promise you they're looking before they ever come to the door of our church. So that's what I wanted to present to y'all today. I hope that will help give you some peace of mind. Sister Murphy is coming right now to talk about her bread class. Praise the Lord. Matthew 6, 11 and Luke 11, 3. Give us this day our daily bread. Acts 2, 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Acts 27, 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. There's so many references in the Bible about bread. Jesus even likened himself to bread in John 6, 35 when he said, I am the bread of life. When God created man, he also created the ideal food for man to nourish his body with, wheat that is made into bread. When wheat is milled into flour and made into bread, did you know that it has 40 of the 44 known essential nutrients needed by our bodies for life? If you want to learn more about how to mill wheat and make the most perfect and delicious bread the way God intended for it to be, join us next Sunday night, November 12th in the A Center at 6 o'clock. After, uh, after we bake, everyone will get to sample this delicious bread. There's a sign-up sheet in uh, the lobby, and we have a limited space, so if you want to come, sign up quick. Thank you, and God bless you. It is so good. I'm totally on board. I can't wait till my meal comes in the mail. So plug for you, Sister Murphy. <laughs> Good morning, y'all. It's always an honor for me to address all of you as we approach Veterans Day. Pastor, thank you for always asking me to do this. It's truly my honor to talk about our nation's heroes, our veterans. So it's been four years since I got the call to go to work at the Louisiana Department of Veterans Affairs. And from day one, I started to learn how to serve those who served. Um, we have a quarter of a million veterans in Louisiana. Right now it's about 267,000, but we know that that number only represents veterans who are receiving a service from the federal VA. And a lot of our younger veterans aren't, and that's the largest cohort, the youngest cohort rather, of veterans that we have, which are those who served in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, 
and Operation Iraqi Freedom in Iraq. I've heard it said in veteran circles, directly and indirectly, that those veterans, the, one that's, the ones that served in Afghanistan and Iraq, they may be the last group of wartime veterans that we have. When Ukraine was attacked by Russia, there was talk of maybe having Ukraine veterans. Thankfully, that hasn't come to pass, but now we as a nation are in a precarious position regarding the defense of the nation of Israel between, uh, against the heinous Hamas terrorists. And just a plug for pastor here that I didn't write in, if you can be here on Wednesday night, you really need to be. Pastor's teaching us a Bible study on prophecy, and it is equally as captivating as it is sobering. So if you can't make it, you really need to go back and watch it. Um, it doesn't do us any good to speculate about our involvement in the Middle East, but here's what I can tell you. There are 1.4 million active service members in this nation. And while time may separate them, they are cut from the very same cloth as each and every veteran that went before them. Um, like those veterans who went before them, they're ready to answer the call and they'll say, I will go. To be really transparent, and most of you know that's the only way that I am, before this job, I wouldn't have considered myself very patriotic. I always stood for the flag and placed my hand over my heart, but really nothing more past that. But this job changed me, and it's different now. I can't help but be emotional when the colors are posted and when the anthem is sung, because etched into my memory are the stories of so many veterans that I've encountered along the way. Um, my boss, a retired Army colonel, he can still recount the very mission 50 years ago, flying the skies of Vietnam when his fellow door gunner was gunned down and later died in his arms. And recently, the story of a soldier told by his grieving mother, whose blue star turned gold when he was killed in combat. And she speaks his name now so his memory lives on and so that his sacrifice was not made in vain. These stories are just a few of the countless ones that I've heard, and they don't leave you. Some rarely speak of their service, so when they do, you stop and you listen. And I would venture to say that our Grace Church veterans could tell us a story or two themselves. So this morning, we're going to stop and we're going to recognize them to give them the honor that they deserve. As I call each veteran's name, a member of our JV Serve team will present you with a token of appreciation on behalf of Grace Church. I would also like to ask that each veteran's loved ones would stand because you serve too. Jonathan Bryant, Hospital Corpsman, Second Class, United States Navy. Wayne Cooper, Sergeant, United States Army. Donald Davis, Specialist Four, United States Army. Xavier Hoskins, Captain, United States Army. Kelton Nose, Sergeant First Class, United States Army. Daryl Sumner, Technical Sergeant, United States Air Force. Tomlinson, Airman, United States Air Force.
And Mike Tomlinson, Lance Corporal, United States Marine Corps. Our heartfelt thanks goes to each of you for your selfless service. We honor you today and every day. So I stand here this morning in the shadow of giants with Veterans Day quickly approaching and with all the things that are happening in my world, in our world, and ask, why are you thankful for our veterans? If you can't answer that, let me help. Throughout our nation's history, more than 40 million Americans have answered the call. They fought here and there in pursuit of and to ensure continuation of freedom. That freedom lives on today, enabling us to gather right here this morning at Grace Church freely and of our own volition to worship the King of Kings without fear of persecution. In closing, let's pray for our veterans who still feel the after effects of war long after the last time they put on the uniform. Let's pray for our nation's leaders as they make decisions which affect our freedoms. And let's pray for those who stand ready for God's mighty hand of protection over all who say, send me. May God bless our veterans, our beautiful Louisiana, and these United States of America.
Grace Church, I think it would be good if we would just set aside anything that is going on from this morning, anything you have going on this afternoon, and for the next few moments, just celebrate the goodness of God. It's His goodness that we're standing here this morning. It's His goodness that we feel His presence right now. It's His goodness that we can lift our voice and lift our minds and lift our hearts and say, God, you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if he's been good to you, take another moment and praise him. You're the God that does all things well. You're the God that is good to your people. Surely you have been good to your people. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel the presence of God this morning, why don't you just wave your hand, say in Jesus' name, oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. I like what I feel in the house today. Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you return to your seats and remain standing for just a moment, didn't we have a great time last night at family night? Amen. I want to just say it was, to me, it was perfect in every way. The weather was great. The planning was impeccable. The fellowship, the food, everything was wonderful. And I want to give a great big public thank you to Sister Sheila and all of her team for an amazing, amazing event. Everybody that cooked, all of our chili cooks, all those that served, all the planning, you know, set up, take down the entire team. There were so many folks involved. Thank you for making Family Night 2023 a success. And I also congratulate our chili cook-off winners this, this morning. They did a great job. All of it was so well done. And it was just a great time for our church. It was wonderful fellowship, wasn't it? Just a good time of fellowship. Amen. And as we, um, as we prepare to go toward, towards the Word of God here in just a moment, I did want to say also that uh, in, in, in um, addition to what Brother Ben said about uh, the Mission Louisiana Pledge, don't forget your Mission Louisiana Pledge. This is to improve the campground, build a new boys' dorm, and ultimately a new uh, tabernacle, and we got a, a great report from our district superintendent, Brother Daryl Weber, in his communique this month, uh, and he says the following. You're going to hear this update. He says, wow, what an extraordinary district. What an amazing group of pastors, ministers, and congregations. Our Mission Louisiana Fund is up to $706,994.93. Since March of this year, over $3 million has been pledged for the next three years by our wonderful pastors and congregations. We are now at 35% of what we need to begin construction. And he goes on to say, considering that our district just received record offerings for North American missions, ladies' ministry, men's ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, this is most remarkable, $706,000 already uh, already raised. So thank you, Grace Church, for being a part of that. 
Thank you for remembering to give your offering, and it is going to happen. We're going to see this vision realized right before our very eyes, and I believe it's not going to be too long. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. And as you're turning there, uh, last, last comment I want to make. Our students are doing tremendous. And uh, I know you heard from Lainey Taylor the other day, other Sunday, about her P7 Bible Club, Apostolic Bible Club in her school. She reported this week she had a new record attendance of 52 students in her Apostolic Bible Club P7. Good job, Lainey. Way to go. Way to go. And Braylon Starnes has also done a tremendous job at establishing a P7 Bible Club at Central High School, just right around the corner. And uh, Braylon reports he's been averaging 10 to 11 students in his P7 Bible Club. Amen. Amen. And you say, well, that's not 52. That's not 100. But here's what you got to know. Braylon's principal structured his P7 Bible Club such that they meet after school. So you consider all the football practice, the theater practice, the whatever practice, these are 10 to 11 students that specifically stay to be a part of Braylon's P7 Bible Club. That means they want to be there. That means they're committed. So it's every bit as successful and established as Laney's. And then finally, uh, Sister Kelly reported this week that Garrett's uh, P7 Bible Club for the middle school, Central Middle School, has been approved by the principal. I'm looking for Garrett. I don't see you. Uh, but it has been approved by the principal, so that one's ready to go. That'll be our third P7 Bible Club from our students. God's working. God's moving. Amen. 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 So pray, pray much for our students. Pray for our youth group. Pray for these P7 Bible Clubs. And we're, we're just expecting great things. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 12. We'll go to the Word of God today. We had um, family night last night and preached to our families today uh, what I believe God has spoken very strongly and forcefully to my heart. Please, please uh, tune your ear to what God would say to our church today and to our families. Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 23 in your hearing this morning. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb. According to your families, and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the house, over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I'd like to preach to you today from this thought, hyssop and houses, hyssop and houses. Let's pray together that God would open our hearts to the word. Jesus, your anointing is here. Jesus, your presence is here. Lord, I pray that every person, every family, every home, every mom and dad, every child would open their minds and their hearts to the word. 
Change us by the powerful, creative force that is your word. Draw us closer to you today. And we ask all of these things in the lovely name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. You may be seated today. If you've read through the Bible at any, at any level across any portion of the Bible, it's likely that you've come across this word, hyssop. Hyssop. It doesn't necessarily stand out. Uh, it isn't a prominent word. In fact, it only appears in the Word of God 12 times. We don't use hyssop for anything here in North America that I'm aware of. Now, I realize that somebody's going to come to me after church and say they use hyssop all the time to clean the tile in their laundry room or something, but I, I've not, I'm not aware of hyssop being used in our country, and I couldn't find anything online about it. Hyssop, and so for that fact, you may not be aware of it, or if you are, it may only be in a passing fashion. Hyssop is, it's an herb, it's in the family of herbs, and it is, it is uh, commonly found in the Mediterranean region. So again, not North America. It is found in the North American region. Um, it is a perennial. It grows to be about a foot and a half uh, in, in, uh, in height and length. It's a perennial, which means you can count on it for at least several years of growth, and it will have some blooms um, um, every year. It typically will bloom in the blooming season in violets or reds or sometimes white, but it looks a little bit like this. It looks something like this. Um, it's in the mint family, as I mentioned. It is sometimes used as a flavoring or a spice for foods such as salads and meats and uh, possibly even vegetables. It's also used medicinally. It's known for its medicinal qualities. In fact, they can even distill a tea from the hyssop plant, uh, and that tea is known to, to help with lung and sinus and chest issues which leads me to believe they should have introduced it into South Louisiana during allergy season, but, but they have not. But it is known for all of these things. It's been known for centuries and used for centuries. Um, it, it, is, uh, it is also sometimes bunched together, or at least in Bible times, was bunched together into, into, a, um, you know, into a bundle or a bouquet, and it could be used as a sponge or a paintbrush to apply uh, uh, liquids and, and uh, to surfaces and those sorts of things. Of the 12 occurrences in scripture of the word hyssop, almost every time it is used to, uh, it is used in the, in the setting of applying blood to a home or a tent or a dwelling for the purposes of cleansing or protection or those kinds of things. There are two exceptions uh, where, uh, where hyssop was mentioned in relationship to an individual. One was where David said, purge me with hyssop. We'll come back to that. The second one is in the New Testament when in Jesus' final moments on the cross, they took hyssop and dipped it in vinegar and gave it to him for, for, um, uh, for, for drink or, or, or for his taste. Most commentaries feel like it was an act of mercy due to the medicinal qualities of vinegar and hyssop to relieve him of some of his pain. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. They all, most will tell you, though, that hyssop represents purity, and so it was more symbolic to represent the purity of the sacrifice of Jesus fulfilling every aspect of the law. 
But again, most of the time in Scripture, when we read about hyssop, we're reading about the application of blood to a home or a dwelling for the purposes of protection or cleansing. And such is an instance this morning in our text uh, that we read. We read today about one of probably the defining historical moment in, in Israel's history called the Passover. This is the time of the Passover. I, uh, the Israelites had been, uh, had been enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years, over 400 years. And uh, despite all of the plague, they cried out for a deliverer. God sends Moses to them as a deliverer. And in spite of all of the plagues that God uh, placed on Egypt and on Pharaoh through the hands of, of uh, Moses and Aaron, despite all of that, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he would not let his people, would not let God's people go in, uh, and be released from Egypt to go into Canaan's land. And so as a final act of deliverance in that final night before uh, they were to be delivered, God told Moses, he said, he said, tell the children of Israel to pack up, get their, get their shoes on, get their, get their garments on. Tomorrow you will be freed from the slavery of Egyptians. Tomorrow you will have uh, freedom from Pharaoh. The night before, though, the night before, God said, I will execute judgment one final time, one final plague on the house of Pharaoh and on all of Egypt. He said, this night, this night before Passover, or this night before deliverance, the death angel will pass over. He will pass over, and he will strike the firstborn and kill the firstborn of every family of the Egyptians and of every home that does not have the blood applied to the doorpost. And so Moses instructed the people. He instructed the heads of the households. He said, take a lamb and slay the lamb and take that blood of the lamb and put it in a basin and take hyssop. And in this case, what they would do is they would dry the hyssop. So it was not fresh hyssop like this. It was dried hyssop. And they were to take that hyssop, dip it in the blood in, the blood, in that basin, and to, as I said, to use it as a kind of paintbrush. And they would take that hyssop and take that blood on the hyssop, and they would apply it uh, to the lintel and to the doorpost of that home. And again, the promise was that if the blood was applied to the doorpost of that home, that death angel that was going to pass over all of the land and that was going to smite Pharaoh's household and every household in the Egyptian uh, country taking their firstborn, the death angel would see the blood and would pass over that house and would not strike the firstborn. I can only imagine how it must have seemed to the Israelites and to those families as the dead went out and he took a lamb and he slaughtered it, and he drained that blood into a basin, about a gallon of blood in a lamb, put it into the basin. And then he gathered his family around, and he gathered his children around, and he said, he said, now, now I know this is unusual. I know you've never seen anything like this before. I know that you have never seen dad take hyssop and take blood and apply it to the doorpost of our home. However, the man of God has said that judgment is coming. The man of God has said the death angel is coming. And if we don't apply this blood to the doorpost of our home, our house will be destroyed. We will be struck by the destroyer. 
So kids, mom, I want you to gather around. And together, we're going to pray that God will spare us from the destroyer. And we're going to apply the blood to the doorpost of our home. I don't know how strange that seemed to those children. I don't know how strange that seemed to those families. Nothing else like that had ever been done before in history. But I can promise you this. The next morning, when those Egyptians were wailing and crying, and a sound went up out of Egypt of mourning like there had never been before, I have a feeling there was a firstborn son that went to his dad and said, Dad, thank you for applying the blood to the doorpost. I have a feeling there was a mom that said, thank you for being obedient to the word of God and saying, I will do what the man of God says for my home to spare my home from the destructive power of the destroyer. Make no mistake about it, Grace Church. There is a destroyer out for your home. There is a destroyer out for your family. It's amazing to me when we look back in one way, it seems like it has come in little by little. You look back over the decades. You look back over how culture has changed. And it seems like we can just see this slow erosion of biblical truth. We can see this slow erosion of the morals and values and biblical principles that we know are going to get us to heaven. Values that we, that from the word of God that have promised eternal life. And slowly our world, our society has eroded those values over time. But in another way, it seems like it has happened so fast. It seems like over just the last several years, spirits have been unleashed that have attacked the moral fiber of our homes and attacked the moral fiber of our family. We're living in a day where wrong is considered right and right is considered wrong. We're living in a day where we can't even agree on the definition of a family. It is a day that the Apostle Paul said would come. He said that, that men and, and mankind would uh, would after their own lust, heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they would be turned aside from sound doctrine unto fables. We've lived to see that day. It is the spirit of the destroyer. It is the spirit that's out to get your family and to get my family. It is a destroying spirit of hell that is after us and after our children and after our homes. I'm here to tell you today, Grace Church, Watered-down Christianity will not save you from the destroyer. A half-hearted commitment is not going to save you from the destroyer. Self-reliance, success, all the things of this world will not save you from the destroyer. It is going to take the blood of the Lamb applied to your home to save you from the destroyer. I believe there's some families here today. I believe there's some moms and dads here today that are willing to say, I'm going back to the doorpost of my home and I'm going to apply the blood to the doorpost of my home because my family is worth it, because my children are worth it, because I don't want to be destroyed by the spirits that are coming on this world. I want you to notice I want you to notice, God told Moses to tell the children of Israel very emphatically. He says, once you put that blood on the doorpost of the home, 
none of you shall go out of the door of the house until morning. There is no provision for your protection outside of the blood-covered home. If a person were to walk out of that home, didn't matter that the blood was on the doorpost. Didn't matter that mom and dad did what they said they were or did what they were told to do by the man of God. If someone chose to leave to leave the confines of that home, there was no provision for their protection. Students, I want you to hear me this morning. Moms and dads that are raising students, hear me this morning. You're in a church that is covered by the blood of Jesus. Most of you students are privileged to be in homes that are covered, godly homes covered by the blood of the Lamb. But if you choose to walk away, if you choose to walk out, if you choose to leave, there is no protection there is no provision for your protection from the destroyer. At that point, you're trusting in the wind. You're gambling on the safety of your life and of whatever family you establish. There is no protection out from under the blood. And again, there is a destroyer seeking to destroy your life. I want you to go with me now. In your mind's eye, it's, it's 1994-1995, the young man that you see standing before you was even younger, and, and we were at, um, at youth camp, and those services, like, like the ones we have now, so powerful presence of God demonstrated in such an incredible way. And there's my best friend. He's, he's up there in the, in the choir loft. He's on the front row of the Allstate Youth Choir. And I see him. I can see him. Look, look there with me. He's there. He's, he's got his hands raised, his tears coming down his eyes as he worships the Lord. The presence of God is so strong. Convictions flowing. And then things really get heated up. Back then we had we had service at 7 on youth camp night. And we'd go to 10, 11 o'clock. I can remember one time we went past midnight. I wish they'd bring those back, but they don't let me make those decisions. It's late getting in or, you know, getting into the later hours of the evening and youth camp is, is rocking. It's jumping. And I see him, he, the, the God's moving, we're shouting, we're jumping. He, he leaps that rail of that choir loft at Tioga, and he's out in the aisle, he's dancing in the, in, the, in the altars, and we're speaking in tongues and worshiping God. And he's just one of, of scores that I can think of. I've lived long enough now to look back and see there are scores of my contemporaries, scores of my friends that decided it would be better to live life out from underneath the covering of the blood. They decided it would be better to just make their own way, to go ahead and trust, to roll the dice, to gamble, and to trust in 
the wind. To sow to the wind, as the Bible says. And I can tell you today, we could go person by person by person. We could talk about my best friend that was on the front row of the All-State Youth Choir. To a person, their lives have been destroyed. To a person, they are not successful by any measure in life. Their families have been torn apart. Their kids have been torn apart. Their marriages have been torn apart. And tragically of all, my friend, the, the most polite way I can say it today is he's living what they call an alternative lifestyle, immorality of, of, of epic proportions, and he's not, not, nowhere close to being in a relationship with God. And it's because they chose to live out from underneath the blood. But I want you to know in our same scripture reading today, in that same text, the blood, God made beautiful provision for safety from the destroyer. He said this, notice, I, if you have the blood on the doorpost of your home, I will not suffer the destroyer, not just to pass over. I will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. The promise of having the blood on the doorpost. Not only will the, the death angel pass over, he will not even enter into your house. I want to tell you today, we all walk through storms. We all have valleys. We all have things we go through. Life happens to everyone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritually. If you have the blood of Jesus applied to your home, the destroyer cannot touch your home. It cannot even come into your home because it cannot come through the blood. For it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives us strength. And it will never lose its power. The blood has power to save your family from the destroyer. The blood has power to keep the, the devil and the destructive forces of sin from even coming in to your home. We must have the blood applied to our home. It's time. If there's a home where prayer has not become priority, it's time to get back to prayer. If there's a time where talking about the Word of God in your home has gotten by, it's time to return to talking about the Word of God in our home. If you've grown lax in, in, in faithfulness to the house of God, it's time to get back to the house of God. It's time to apply the blood to our home. Not only... Not only can the blood protect our home, but the blood can also cleanse a home. I want you to go with me to, to Leviticus chapter 14. And again here we see hyssop and blood come into play. Way down in all those ordinances and laws and commandments and statutes that God gave Moses in Leviticus. Look at 52 through 55. God tells Moses, he says, He shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water and with the living bird and with the cedar wood and with hyssop and with scarlet. He shall let go the living bird out of the city into the open fields, make atonement for the house 
and it shall be clean. And we, look at this. This is so interesting to me. This is the law for all manner of plague of leprosy and skull and leprosy of a garment and of a house. How could a home have leprosy? Now, we know people could have leprosy. Jesus healed leprous people in the Bible, in the New Testament. We know Naaman the leper in the Old Testament was cleansed of leprosy. People get leprosy or did in those days. But here we have a provision in the law for the cleansing of a home, a house with leprosy. Well, you may ask, how can that be? Well, I, I think in the Old Testament it was talking about molds and mildews and, and even be, maybe per, perhaps being affected with a disease if a leprous person was there. But remember, spiritually speaking, in the Bible, leprosy is always a type of sin. Leprosy represents sin in the Word of God. Leprosy is a destroyer. It, it erodes. It eats away. It, 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 is a, it is a slow and horrible disease of the flesh. Rotting, stinking, uh, decaying of the flesh. And it always ends in destruction. So for a home to have leprosy, then a home would be infected with sin. And there's, there's all kinds of sins we could talk about today. Lying, fornication, murder, envy, strife. Uh, you know, the, the, the list goes on of sins that I would call sins of commission. They're committed acts of sin. And there's no doubt that those sins will absolutely destroy a home. But more likely today, what we're facing is what I would call sins of omission. It's not an act that we do, something we perform. It's something we neglect to do. We, we omit the priority of our walk with God. We omit the priority of faithfulness to the house of God. We omit the, uh, the, the strict uh, uh, belief in the values and the tenets of the word of God. We, we began to adopt subtly, not, we don't realize it at first, but we adopt subtly the, the philosophies and the advice of this world. And we, we, we read so much Facebook and, and Instagram, so many people with so many opinions that we begin to, to absorb that and it becomes our way of thinking. And we, we don't even realize that we're so far away from the tenets and the morals and the values of the Word of God that will assure our eternal success. These are leprosies that infect homes. 
These are leprosies that can destroy homes. It doesn't happen all at once. Leprosy didn't take you out like that, like a gunshot or something like that. Leprosy, slowly, over time, it would erode. It would eat away. And that's the kinds of things I'm talking about today. Omitting consecration in our lives. Omitting prayer in our lives. And slowly, over time, at first it seems like everything's okay. At first it seems like everything's going well. But over time, it erodes. And over time, that foundation is not as secure as it used to be. And over time... We find that our homes and our families and our lives are infected with leprosy. And remember, leprosy always separates from the presence of God. And leprosy always ends in destruction. And the same is true for sin. And so, in the law of Moses, there was a cure prescribed for a home with leprosy. Again, we find that priest taking hyssop and dipping it in blood, this time the blood of a bird. And he would sprinkle that home with the blood. He would sprinkle that home with the blood, walking all through the house, every room, every door, every hallway, every place, the kitchen, the living room, the bedroom, every part. He would sprinkle that blood. On the outside, he would sprinkle blood. He would sprinkle blood. So that home was covered with blood, sprinkled in blood. And then he would come back some days later and inspect the home. And if that leprosy was cleansed, and if it was gone, he would pronounce the home as clean and as cured and as cleansed from leprosy. I want you to know today, Grace Church, if you're here today, and a leprosy has invaded your home, maybe it's one of the things I've talked about. Some leprosy, some seed uh, of, of wavering in your commitment, some seed of bitterness, some seed of, uh, of, of lack of consecration, whatever it is, is if, if it's coming to your home, I want you to know that the blood of Jesus still cleanses from leprosy. The blood of Jesus still cleanses from sin. And I want you to know today, you can have a fresh start today. That's why David said, purge me with hyssop. David had just committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had just had her husband murdered. He had committed gross iniquity. And David said, the only cure for my sin is that if I am purged with hyssop, if the blood can be applied to my life, there is no sin. There is no shortcoming. There is no failure. There's no mistake from yesterday that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse me from. And all the good news today is it doesn't just cleanse you but it sends you forward on a fresh path, on a new way, in a new direction, so that you can be successful in your relationship with God. Romans 8 and 2, For the, uh, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ. Well, the Bible tells us that life is in the blood. Life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Life is in the blood. We know from science that DNA, identity, is in the blood. So when the blood of Jesus comes to a life, when the blood of Jesus comes to a home, you're receiving the identity, the DNA of Jesus Christ through the application of his blood. And that is the remedy for sin. That is the remedy for 
leprosy. He can bring life back to your family. I don't care what has happened yesterday. I don't care about the sins of yesterday. What I'm telling you is you're in a place today where the blood of Jesus is flowing, where the blood of Jesus is here, and it can be applied to your family. It can be applied to your home. It will bring life. It will bring future. It will bring a hope that you did not have before. There's life in the blood. There's identity in Jesus Christ that is available to every home, to every family. Let me tell you the power of removing leprosy out of your home. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, he says, Isaiah 6 and 1, he says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Why did Isaiah tie his experience with God to the death of King Uzziah? He says the year King Uzziah died, if he was one to specify the year, he could have just written the year. We know from history about what years Uzziah reigned in Judah. He didn't do that. He said the year King Uzziah died. Well, here's what's important to know about Uzziah. Uzziah started off as a good king. He did pretty good. He was, this was a divided kingdom, Judah, Israel. Uzziah was king over Judah, the time of Isaiah the prophet. But Uzziah messed up. He did the wrong thing. Like Saul before him, he decided to go into the holy place and offer sacrifice himself instead of waiting for the priest to do it. And the Bible says when the priest rushed in and saw what Uzziah was doing, standing there before the altar, Offering sacrifice that he had no business offering. It wasn't his office. The Bible says the priest saw him and immediately God cursed Uzziah with leprosy. He had leprosy for the rest of his life. And that day that leprosy was applied, uh, that, that leprosy consumed him, it started. And day after day and year after year, the Bible says they put his son uh, Jehoram on the throne to take care of the affairs of Judah because leper, they put uh, Uzziah in a leper's house and he just rotted away year after year, day after day from that leprosy. But when he died, when leprosy was taken away from the leadership of the kingdom, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he goes on to say, that he had an experience with God in which an angel came and purged his lips. And he saw visions and he had an encounter with God. And he said, here I am. I will go send me. When leprosy is removed from a life, when leprosy is removed from a home, we can have an experience with God like we've only prayed about and only dreamed of. Then God can purge your home. Then God can give you a revelation. Then God can show you what he can really do in the lives of your children, in the lives of your spouse, and in the lives of your household. We have to have le uh, leprosy taken away. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that leprosy can be removed. We're not perfect in our household. We, we try awful hard. We have good days and bad days. But we have tried to establish our home on the foundation of the word of God and these values that I've been preaching. And every morning, I wake up and I pray. And Farrah wakes up and we pray. And one of the things I pray as the leader of my home, 
I, I think of it as the priest of my home. I don't know if you're into that terminology, but the priest of my home. I always say this every day, every day without fail. Even if I'm, even if I oversleep, and I'm overslept and I'm headed out the door. I'll say it headed out the door. Jesus, I plead the blood over my home, over my marriage, over my family. I pray that every day. The point is, don't always get it right. Not always perfect. But I pray the blood of Jesus over my home. It's my way of applying the blood to the doorpost. And it's my way of saying, God, purge us of leprosy. I'm going to tell you what God can do when that happens. When you keep the blood of Jesus applied to your home. When you're building on a commitment to the word of God. Elaine is almost 16. Elaine is almost 16 when she was 7 or 8. If you go back a few years, you remember we were having all those blood moons and those super moons. And they were back to back. And there was, a, there was some kind of super, I'll say a superstar, but I'm not talking about like an earthly superstar. There was this thing in the heavens, some kind of superstar. And they're talking that was like the star of Bethlehem when Jesus came the first time. And it might be the star that's ushering in his second coming. And there was a lot of talk about all that. It was on everybody's mind. Well, seven or eight years old, Elena, boy, that talk got to, it got to her after a while. She resisted, the, she resisted the prophetic as long as she could, but boy, conviction started working on her. And uh, she realized this could be it. This could be the big one. Jesus could come at any moment. And one night after supper, we're at home. It's a weeknight. It wasn't a church night. It was a weeknight. We're at home. And it finally got the best of her. And she said, Mom, Dad, I said, I want to pray. Can I pray for the Holy Ghost? I don't want Jesus to come and me not be ready. We took her to the living room. We began to pray in Jesus' name. She repented of her sins. And in just moments, the Holy Ghost filled our living room. And Elena began to speak with other tongues as God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Elena received the Holy Ghost for the first time in our home. In our home. In our home. Hey, when leprosy dies, when leprosy is cleansed, when the blood is to the doorpost, I'm telling you, God can show up. I'm telling you, God can move. I'm telling you, God can show himself great and mighty in a home. He can show himself great and mighty in a family. There is no limit to what he can do if you will apply the blood to your home. We've got to have the blood. We've got to have the blood. We've got to have the blood. Uh, I'm closing. Musicians, hang on. We'll see what God has for us. I'm just, we'll see. Let me just see. I'm closing. Media team, I'm off my notes. I'm, I'm not going to go with that last illustration. I had a dream last night. And uh, we had a wonderful day yesterday. We, we spent a good portion of the day with some wonderful young people from a, from a wide cross section of the area. And then last night, uh, here at, 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 at family night and then last night before bed the stars aligned and both of our kids were home they wanted to talk to mom and dad which is crazy I know it's unbelievable they didn't have their cell phones in their hand and I tell you what did it I, I know what did it is I told Dawson he could go get some hamburgers from five guys and I would pay for it that always that always helps but my point is and we, we took advantage of the moment but my point is we had some great, great interaction with young people yesterday. That was really on my mind. We, we had just a wonderful time. And, and throughout the course of the day, the, many of the adults commented on 
just what a wonderful group of kids we have. What students, I call them kids, students. All, all across the state and this generation, they're just marvelous. I, I told you about the P7 Bible Clubs. They're wonderful kids. So all that was on my mind. There's no question that all of that informed my dream. I, I know that. I, I know it was in my, the back of my mind. I know that. But nonetheless, I had a dream and it was from God. And um, I, this is what I dreamed. I dreamed we were at a youth convention and there was a great host of young people there. And at the beginning of the, uh, it was the first service, the opening of the first service to open the convention, the very beginning, first thing that was being done. And all of the young people gathered around in a humongous circle, lots and lots of kids. And whoever the leader was, I didn't see their face. I don't know who it was. Whoever the leader was said, I'm going to pray over the convention, pray over this first service, and we'll get started. As he began to pray, tongues and interpretation went forth in my dream. And the interpretation was essentially this. Said, God said, I'm here to do mighty things. I, I will show myself great that my presence is here. You'll see my manifestation of me here in this convention. When that word went forth, the students erupted. I'm talking, it was a war cry. It was worship. I felt it in my dream. I felt the Holy Ghost. It was, it was on a level, you know, maybe we experienced it at Youth Congress. Maybe it was even greater than that. It was this roar. It was striking at how magnificent this rush of worship went up uh, at the word of God. But immediately after that, the scene changed. And stay with me. This is where, this is where it all comes into what I'm talking about today. Immediately the scene changed. And I, along with everyone else in that convention, we were on our knees. We were on our knees. And we were travailing. We were praying and crying with a desperation equal to that worship that had just gone forth. We were not praying. I don't know what we were saying because it was not in English. We were praying in the Spirit. It was groanings that only the Spirit could utter. We were in travail. And I woke up, and I, the Holy Ghost was so strong, I could feel it in my dream. I woke up, and, and I began to ponder the dream a little bit, and I prayed kind of a little bit in my spirit. And then, to be frank with you, I, I went back to sleep. I woke up this morning, and I really didn't think a whole lot about the dream, believe it or not. I was thinking about the service, thinking about my message, and I, I had not considered my dream. When I got to the church to pray, as soon as I opened my mouth to pray, just, just to say thank you, Jesus, for this morning, the spirit of that dream came back immediately. I mean, I was back in that dream in a moment. I was right back, and all of it came back to me just like that. And I began to weep and cry and pray in that spirit of travail where I'd left off in the dream. And, and I began to consider the dream and pray and say, God, what is this? What is this? What is this? And I believe God gave me the interpretation of the dream, and this is what it is. This is where it, where it applies. We have a generation of students and to a certain degree a generation of adults that are worshipers. I've never seen students worship like these students worship. They're uninhibited. They don't care. They shout. They dance. We preached about that last time. You saw the video. They run the aisles. Don't care who's here. Doesn't matter who they run over. They're worshipers. But God is saying this. And students, it's for you. Moms and dads, it's for you. Grandparents, it's for you if you're raising students. We can go as high vertically as we want to with our worship, and we should. 
and you should do even more. We can go as high as we want to with our worship. But if we don't put roots down in travail, roots down in commitment, roots down in a prayer life, roots down in an unwavering commitment that this is how I'm going to live my life. If we don't do that, we will walk out of here. We will walk out from under the blood. We will walk from out from under the uh, doorpost. It will have no root to keep us when the destroyer comes. You hear me, students. You hear me, families. It's awesome to worship, but you've got to have a consecration. You've got to have the blood. You've got to have a walk with God, or the destroyer will take you out. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. Somebody feel after the presence of God right now. Come on, I'm praying every mom and dad, every grandparent, every student. We've got to have a move of God today. I'm asking you to come to the altar, and I'm asking you to kneel today. That was the posture in my dream. We were kneeling. If you can't kneel, come forward close to the front and sit in a chair. But we've got to have an altar today. We've got to re-consecrate ourselves today. Somebody's got to take the blood and apply it again. You may have applied it yesterday, but I'm going to tell you something. you got to apply it again today. And you're going to have to apply it again tomorrow. Oh, come on, moms and dads, don't hesitate. Praise team, thank you for holding off. Let's just pray a minute. I want to give you an opportunity to pray with your families. Praise team, find your families. JV team, find your families. Come on, we've got to apply the blood today. We've got to make our consecration today. There is a destroyer out there to get your family, but there is also a remedy. And it's the blood of Jesus. It's a commitment. It's a consecration. Come on. It's a lifestyle of worship to God. Come on, mom and dad. Come on, young person. Ah, This place is an altar right now. This place is an altar right now. Oh, just think about it. Just think about it. One day your child may come up to you and say, Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad, for applying the blood. Thank you for giving me a way out. Thank you for helping our family avoid the destroyer. Come on, they're counting on you. They're counting on you. Come on, somebody. There's a desperation in my spirit right now. There's a desperation in my spirit right now. Come on. Come on, I've lived long enough to see them come, and I've lived long enough to see them go. Make a commitment today that you're not going to leave. You're not going to go. I'm going to stay here, Jesus, under the blood. I'm going to stay here, Jesus, under the protection of the Word of God.
Come on, somebody pray that there's a manifestation in your family right now. There's a manifestation of God's presence in your life right now. It may take you through tomorrow. It may get you through something you don't even know is coming. It may get you through something next week you don't even know is coming. Hey, I wouldn't leave out of here without the blood. I wouldn't leave out of here without a fresh commitment. I wouldn't leave out of here without asking God to spare my family. Thank you, Grace Church, for letting that cry come up. Don't stop. Don't stop. I would rather cry and pray and weep in the presence of God than to be weeping because the destroyer has come by. Come on, now's the time. Now's the time. Let that cry go up. Let that emotion go up.
Shine through the shadows 